Hello everyone, and welcome to your Uncle's Beach House episode 42. I'm Jackson, I'm joined by M as usual. It's anime time! Yeah, yeah it is, anime time. And we're joined by a guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Sniper Serpent, and Scooby-Doo is the best anime of all. I'm making it official. You know, in terms of like long-running franchises, like it's up there, it's genuinely up there. There's, there's like, I don't think there's as much Scooby-Doo as there's a Gundam, but there's more Scooby-Doo than there is Macross. That is probably true, and now, if I had time, I'd like do the math to figure out if there's more Scooby-Doo shows than Gundam shows, because there's a I lot of I think it might be closer than... I think it might be closer than... I just, my thing is that outside of the original run of Scooby-Doo, nothing went very long. Probably. But I don't... I'm not basing on anything, I'm oh, just assuming. okay, yeah, it's been... It's more that they've just had a million and specials. And there's more gaps. Yeah. Um, For a long time, it was just specials and, like, direct-to-video stuff. And, I yeah. didn't realize how But there's short. a lot... Like, in terms of, like, actual, like, titles, there's probably almost... Eh, there's not as many looking at this, but, you know, it's a lot. They release two movies every year, so... Yeah. Mystery Incorporated is the longest in episode count of the series, Scooby-Doo series. I would never have guessed that. I oh, really? The older ones would have... Yeah, I mean... I guess Be Cool Scooby-Doo might have 53 segments in 52 episodes, uh, but we have Scooby-Doo Where Are You, 25. The new Scooby-Doo movies, 24-hour-long stuff, so I guess that also is up there. Mm. Then The Scooby-Doo Show, with has had 40 episodes. Um, Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, 16. Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, again, 33. The new Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo Show has <coughs> 26. The thirteen um, the, ghosts. The fucking dirt worst of Scooby Doo, by the way, is, is that, that stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's bad. Um, the thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo. Thirteen I'm... ghosts fucking ruled. I loved that as a kid because it was the one that had actual ghosts in it. They, they okay. made they made a movie to like finish it off because they only actually deal with twelve ghosts in the thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo because <laughs> they fucked up the episode count because there was one that's a two parter, but they made thirteen episodes. So oh, the incredible. last ghost so never gets that dealt with. That's amazing. Did they, they did it in a movie? They got a nice. I yeah, guess they, they did it a, a in a movie in 2018 that wrapped up. Yes, <laughs> that's so good. Uh, a pup named Scooby Doo had 27 episodes, four seasons. That was that was one of those everyone's a kid versions that littered the 80s. Um, I remember thinking that was fine, but not what I was looking for. And then what's new Scooby Doo 2002 to 06? I I was already out of Scooby Doo. That then. was the one I would assume would have been the longest because I thought that was like five seasons from the DVDs I was taking out from the local store. But I guess it's only forty two episodes. It was three seasons of fourteen. Mm. Um, That's weird. To and me. then yeah, Mystery Incorporated two twenty fives, and then Be Cool Scooby Doo is the same. And uh, uh, I think Scooby Doo and Guess Who is forty one episodes with two seasons, but it might still be going. So I think that's still ongoing. That one might, uh, that one might, yeah, that one may, uh, may eventually take over in the end. Um, but I don't know. I and don't then know just a cavalcade of movies. Yeah. yeah, just like infinite two movies a year since the the time immemorial. 
So, I promised six months ago that I would watch Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. I have watched Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, which is the 1999 direct-to-video movie that is part of, like, the trilogy that came out right around the turn of the millennium. Does this have have an informal name for this trilogy? I assume it does. Probably. I just... I just think of it as the Zombie Island and Witch's Ghost, because I don't like the third one as much. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, this one, they're all like... It's weird, because like, I didn't watch Zombie Island. I need to go do that. But like, this seems like it seems like it is a relaunch of Scooby-Doo, like you grew up watching the show in syndication, like the 70s show, and now it's like 10 years later or whatever, and everyone's kind of like chill and an adult. But it not in ways that like change your characters that much, really. Um, but it definitely has like a vibe of like these people are returning to this thing. Also, there's actual supernatural stuff while people are having mysteries, like people dressing up as monsters. There is both a ghost and a guy who just wants to like trick people in this movie. Um, it's really good. I was really surprised by it. Just a, like a breezy hour. Some goofy shit happens. Tim Curry plays uh, an evil writer guy uh, who's basically just what if uh, what if Gabriel Knight was like actually a dirtbag and not just like subtextually a dirtbag loved it had a great time yeah it's it's a good movie i watched it this week again also and the thing i think it most like it's a good movie overall uh old scooby-doo really blows that what we're watching out of the water in terms of having music like yes uh like the this movie opens with uh billy ray cyrus singing the scooby-doo theme song it's very weird <laughs> this is if 1999 talk- Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. Yes. If we, talk, if we talk about this movie long enough, that can be the song that opens the pod. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a bad choice, actually. It's better um, than the theme for the show, which is yeah. kind of nothing. Yeah. This this show has, like, the Hex Girls sing worse versions of the songs from this movie, and that's it. Incredible. Yes. Um, this movie also has my favorite me, like right around the turn of the millennia, uh, plot beat, which is about how Wiccans are actually very cool and they suffered great persecution during the witch trials, despite the fact Wicca's a religion that was invented in the 20th century. Uh, I love that shit. Eat it up. It's in horror movies of this era, like across the board, uh, never not having a good time. There is Wiccan blood quantum as a plot point in this movie and it's ridiculous. Yes. It is nonsense. Um, yeah, it's it's good. I, I was really surprised at just how much it was like they're just going for it. It's like picking up character development that the first movie was making seemingly. Um it feels of a type with the old Scooby Doo. Um it's it's yeah, it's just really good. Yeah, if you like this, you'll definitely like Zombie Island, because they're like very yeah. close in vibrant quality. Yeah, no, I um I I was hoping I could watch it before this, but I ran out of time. But I'm definitely going to check out Zombie Island. Turns out Scooby Doo is just like the perfect thing to have on. Uh especially in like an hour long movie, you get a whole arc in like one thing, you sit down, it's good. It's like the Dragon Ball Z movies. Yeah. Same thing, really. Yeah, like the thing is I think these are some of the better ones, Zombie Island and uh Witch's Ghost, but I think like I could watch any of them and not even the ones that are like bad, and it's like it's Scooby Doo. It's gonna be reasonable, I'm gonna have fun. Yeah. Um how did it look? Because like this is before it switches over to all digital stuff, I assume. Um so this is this is a uh Japanese animation studio um that was doing stuff for like the Western market. Like they worked on Aeon Flux and they worked on yes! uh, Men in Black the series and Todd McFarlane's spawn. 
um, the real adventure of Johnny Quest just shows that I like we're, we're aware of and watched back in the day. Um, and so it looks it it's weird because it, like it clearly is riffing on the '70s stuff, like designs and sensibility, but in '99, so it kind of feels stodgy, but in like a way where it's like this is evoking like late '80s, early '90s Western animation, but it's too on model to be that. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's stylistically doing what they used to do only it like looks super fucking good um like you know like not that i don't like how old scooby-doo worked but like hannah barbara stuff was made to be cheap Uh, i'm I'm taking a look at some of the like production stuff for these movies uh um they got rid of fred's ascot (laughs) a crime um Uh. The, the other thing that I noticed uh, this week was that I was, like, listening to the soundtrack because there's songs in it. And there's, like, a bunch of, like, vocal songs that don't make it into the movie. Like, there is a love song for Velma and the evil writer that is in the soundtrack that's not in the movie, sung by the Incredible. <laughs> love it. Uh, the one most unfortunate choice is Daphne now has, like, a like a pantsuit. Uh because she's like i apparently this is in zombie island it's barely touched on here she pivots to doing like a youtube show about mystery debunking or whatever it's the 90s it's a tv show but yes it's a tv show right right yes um like the zombie island starts with them all having jobs but daphne's job is just doing the scooby-doo thing but on tv fair enough Um, which like i would do if i could if my job could be hunting ghosts that easily i'd do that but uh, uh, here's another note about zombie island production but specifically and it's uh, the first few but also like you know it's where all the details are uh, they briefly changed shaggy shirt color to red and gave him sneakers then they realized this was fucked up and stopped and turned it back immediately uh the cursed red shoots bleh, red shirt shaggy that was like how he was Back when Scooby Doo was bad and Scrappy Doo was there, they changed his shirt to red. Oh so. no! This this is this. Oh, this is real. Look at this. Oh, red shirt. Um, yeah. No, I'm looking. I'm seeing it now. Um. Yeah. Google Google red shirt Shaggy. This is cursed. <laughs> I will not do that. I don't need that in my life. Oh, yeah. I remember red it, shirt Shaggy. It was like for for like 15 years. This was like this Shaggy outfit, and it it wasn't good. Um. Oh God. He's he's like has this shirt in even more art styles than I realized. Yeah, I mean, I assume there's been there's there's one with like two shaggies, one red shirt, one green shirt, which I assume happens a couple times. That seems like a good gimmick to do. Yeah, I think that's from Cyber Chase, um, which mm-hmm. um, is a bad one, but it's funny. Oh god, there's the one where he's a werewolf. He has the red shirt. That's the worst Scooby Doo movie. It's like, what if Racky Races last episodes lasted two hours and were bad? Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. Well, let's get into what we're here to do today, which is to cover yes. the second half of uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Inc., the 2010-2009 season. Um, I think it's 2010. 2010, yeah. 2010 through 2011. I were probably in mostly in 2011 for this one. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, so it's a 2010, 2010 uh, Cartoon Network Scooby-Doo show. Um one of the first, the first show since uh, What's New Scooby-Doo. So there's been a, not as big a gap as there was there in the 90s, but it has been a little gap. Uh, we did an episode on the first half of the season, the first 13 episodes. Uh, this is going to be the second 13 episodes, and eventually we'll do the uh, final 26 episodes next year. This I got to know what happens, because I sure didn't find out in this fucking season. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> yeah, because there were no answers whatsoever. But there, they, there's some lore little tidbits, but not, not that much. Um, 
The season gets as far as letting you know there is a plot, but will not tell you what that is. Yeah, so I guess summary-wise, outside of just Scooby-Doo mysteries... Do you, do, do you want me to do the summary? If you I want to just do summary. the summary best you can, yeah, because I... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so when we last left the Mystery Inc. gang, they were uh, in the middle of a mess, uh, trying to investigate a mystery that involved the original Mystery Inc., which was basically them like the 70s version but a bunch of different characters that we know we knew that mr e was like the bad guy was part of the team we knew angel was on the team and we didn't know anything uh, pericles the owl the evil hannibal Lecter owl um <laughs> was there um and there's an evil company called destroido and that that was like a part is like how much of this is going to be relevant it turns out very um because mr e runs destroido uh, a lot going on. Anyway, um, they are continuing to investigate as uh, the early, earlier Mr. Ink, Mr. Ink tensions uh, swirl around. Um, and we discover that the original Mr. Ink uh, had discovered a map for something called the Planispheric Disc, which is a map uh to treasure from Spanish conquistadors that settled in these areas or whatever um, originally. And they'd found parts of it and at the time, but were menaced by a weird creature um, called the Freak, uh, who definitely looks like a weirdo. Um, and they decided, like, they, they were intimidated into stopping, basically, and kind of split up or whatever. Um, and years later, everyone's still going for this stuff. Uh, Pericles and uh, Mr. E specifically in a weird, like, battle to find this thing. Um, and as they get involved in it, uh, they realize that uh, the freak is actually Fred's dad, who was looking for the stuff from the beginning. Uh, that's why he became mayor, because he thought he could utilize the resources to find the map. Uh, he originally was the person who dissuaded everything, set up Pericles to make it look like Pericles was the one who killed the fake uh, Fred and Daphne of the original Mr. Inc., but they just left. He intimidated them out of town or whatever. Um, and... Uh, everyone is distraught fred is like i don't know what to do uh in the course of the second half of the season he and daphne had like increased their relationship to the point where like they were engaged everyone's freaked out they're like we're in high school you can't be engaged that's fucked up and college uh, <laughs> college sorry uh either way everyone's like that's fucked up and we're too young this isn't the 70s fred <laughs> we're too young um and uh they fred breaks it off because he has to go find his real parents because he finds out his real parents are um it's Brad and something from the original mystery. Oh, I should know uh, this. Jules? Julie? Um. Yeah, I, I just don't uh, have it on me. Um, and so they split off. Shaggy's parents send him to a military school. And Scooby-Doo's like, shit, I have to be the one who brings everyone together then. Uh, as he's menaced by Pericles in the back of a car. And he's like, I'm going to defeat you, asshole. That's not what he says. <laughs> but he might as well. What he says is, um, if my name isn't Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Yes. <laughs> Which is a hilarious way to end the season. Also, he's still like, Pericles, I will defeat you. And I'm fairly sure Pericles has done absolutely nothing wrong. And has a, it has, in fact, just been revealed that he's been set up and was innocent the whole time. Uh, he, so he, he did kill a man. Like... Yeah, the thing is, Pericles, Pericles was set up, but in the meantime, has decided, I guess, since he's gone to bird jail for 30 years, he is just going to be evil, actually. He, he is, I, wait, who, who did he kill? I need, to, I need that later, because I need to um, remember the, the details. The CEO of Destroido, who's Mr. E's puppet, there's the scene uh, yes. where Pericles goes to the Destroyer headquarters and is like, I have a message for Mr. E, and he's like, but it's not words, and then we cut to outside the house and the guy's screaming, and that's 
the TV-13 way of being Pericles is murdering this guy to send a message to Mr. E. Oh, I didn't... I, we never saw the body, so I thought that was unresolved. Um, yeah, that they, we're supposed to think he's dead there. Um, okay. Because a lot of people are meant to be dead at a lot of points in the show. I didn't, I didn't put much stock in that one. I remember that scene. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the, the broad plot of the season. But obviously we also have 13 episodes of Scooby-Doo. That are, like, this, this plot is told in two-minute like, epilogues to most episodes. Oh, yeah, that's, um, yes. It's my favorite way for an ongoing plot to happen in the background of Monster <laughs> of the Week episodes. Honestly, it's, it's pretty good. Bring it back. Yeah. Um, it's it's really funny because like because I've seen this before. My brain conceptualizes the plot and the episodes very differently. So there's a part in the Minotaur episode where Angel Dynamite is randomly like doing Mission Impossible shit, and I was and I did not associate that with that episode at all because in my mind that's the hot dog water episode. But it turns out Mission Impossible can also happen at any time. It can't happen at any time. Um, yeah, there's, uh, I think most of these episodes were pretty good. My favorite is the only one that's not actually a monster episode. It's instead Fred fights the Jigsaw Killer. It's really good. <laughs> it is literally a saw parody. It's so funny. Uh, like, it makes sense with this whole, like, trap theme that his ultimate opponent should be the Jigsaw Killer. You just wouldn't expect them to go through with it. Um, I think, I think actually my favorite episode is, like, the most, like, we're doing, uh, Harvey Birdman, where Scooby-Doo teams up with the other sidekicks of Hanna-Barbera shows. Um, I just thought it was fun to see, like, Jabberjaw and it not be obnoxious. I'm like, that's, I didn't think that was possible. You just did it. Yeah. Um, that, that's the first episode from, uh, what we watched, which is... Yeah. Uh, I also really like that one. Although, like, the ending leaves me with a lot of questions that I don't think I'm supposed to have. Because that episode is revealed to be a dream Scooby has while sick. But there's a whole yes. subplot in his dream he's never there for. Uh, where yeah. uh, a principal of the high school falls in love with Angel Dynamite and has a sexual awakening after giving CPR to a car. <laughs> it's <laughs> has a weird dream. fucking fever dream of an episode. <laughs> uh, it's, it, uh, it's very funny. Um, it's It's also the one that's the most, like... An adult swim version of this show but, to me yeah uh, but like i i was just like as someone who like typically doesn't watch those shows i just like i was surprised by having everyone there and like speed buggy and jabberjaw get stuff to do and it's about like these are the characters that anchored those shows even if they're often very obnoxious um scooby just happens to be the one yeah. that survived culture happening to these shows um, yeah i i love it when scooby-doo brings back the old hanna-barbara stuff my favorite in this season is actually probably in the second last episode, when the uh, villain who's like a cyberpunk assassin is revealing where she got all of her weapons, it's from... Hey, they just go to Johnny Quest. Yeah, she, yes. she is armed by the characters of Johnny Quest, who are a, a subsidiary of the evil mega corporation in this. What a weird thing to decide to put in as a cameo. I love it. Uh, it's weird because, like, I know I know of Hanna Barbera Johnny Quest, but my Johnny Quest is always the real adventure stuff from the '90s, um, which is just very different uh, in terms of like aesthetic and like what they did with those characters. So I'm like, oh right, the other Johnny Quest. Uh, yeah, it's that, and then my brain also associates it with the Venture Brothers, which is the super mm -hmm. uh, different parody of it. That yes. Um, it's not quite what this is going for, but it is funny that they armed an assassin. 
<laughs> my um my thing with the second half of the season is I think the character work is like really good and I, I like the, the the story they're telling with the characters and the original Mr. Ink and stuff. Um I think these episodes walk even further into like this is 2011 and this show is doing a lot of like wink and nod ironic racism in a way that I'm like, man, why are, what are we doing here? There's a whole episode about like Chinese wizards. That's like a, a gremlin slash big trouble, in little China riff, but it's intolerable. It's so bad. Uh, that's easily the worst episode of the show. In my opinion, there's like, there's like an episode about like a, a, a like a, it's like South American explorer, just like a real like Johnny Quest style character, whatever, going out and going on adventures. And he has like a British manservant that he's named, I don't even remember what the name is. He names him like, you know, a native word just to like exoticize him. Like he's like uh, uh Friday from uh Robinson Crusoe or whatever. Um I'm like, what are we doing here? Why is the show doing this? This is all unforced errors. Yeah, it, it's, like, um, it's like the episode is trying to go with like, well, the South Indiana Jones adventure type's actually pretty racist. But then the episode ends with him being like, he was a nice guy all along in his heart. But you know, I agree. Yeah, it's weird. Because right? like that episode is the whole the whole thing they do with this kind of stuff is uh, they know it's bad, but they don't they don't like change or question it, right? They just yeah. like let you know. He has a whole monologue about like, ah, oh, these like primitives and whatever. And what the f- is happening <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know you're doing it on purpose but f- for what for why uh, this is just what 2011 was is the thing like yes. i look at this i'm like man culture is real and does change uh because you would never do this stuff like, now like this show like this season this half of the season also has stuff that i think is like less good where it's revealed that ernesto and his group of activists are like actually pretending to be villains because they're willing to like cause mayhem like an environmental disaster because doing that will prove their point and allow them like the funds to protest more environmental disasters and that's a very like horseshoe theory bullshit thing that would exist today in a way that like the other stuff that's like more like racially loaded i think people know better but they don't know better about the horseshoe shit it's it's like even stupider than that in what their actual goals are because it's that the like fake che protesters are going to extract oil causing environmental disasters right. so they can it, sell must... the oil to fund their campaign to protest oil extraction right. um that uh i like that episode better than the racist ones even though that sucks because it's also about velma being gay for a mermaid uh which is um <laughs> uh which is a fun unfortunately turns out she's married yeah yeah there, there's like the extremely funny scene of Velma having that classic oh no the girl I have a crush on is straight moment at the end um but it's a good Velma episode separate from the fact that the villains are stupid mm-hmm. yeah um, that, that stuff was really annoying especially with like because it was already annoying when they showed up the first time yeah and it's mm. just like eye rolling um it's, it's, like especially with the long running stuff of every villain in 99% of the plots is as like as it was in the first half of the season usually the like put upon worker of whatever like group is happening um and i think that's usually it that's like interesting as a background but when the show like veers into it, it's more like nihilistic uh status quo politics stuff um that uh is like its worst instinct it's not as fun i think I do like that this bites them in the episode with um, Hatecraft, Professor Hatecraft, where uh, there's a new Stephanie Meyer, like, Twilight joke, like, 
professor who wrote horror novels that has displaced him as the thing people care about taking his job and everyone just assumes she's the new villain uh and it turns out it's just the lady who's like work for hire like alice from the first half uh and everyone's like oh why'd you do this like i was hired to do it just like last time i didn't mean to do it like i don't want anything (laughs) i I like that at the end of her first episode she was like they're gonna figure out i wasn't actually the creeper's son like any minute like this ruse won't last and she comes back and they They have not not figured it out oh it's the creeper's daughter (laughs) it's funny because then the cop's like you telling me you escaped that i didn't know about it the whole time Uh, Patrick Warburton continues to be a joy. Yes. Uh, I really like when we meet his mom and find out that she just overbearing, like, you know, uh, overprotective mom and named him Sheriff Bronson Stone. Bronson's his middle name. Uh, that's a good bit. I like that for this character. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's also, he fights Jonah Hex in that episode, which is sick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do like it when this show is just like, and now we're going to do the Jigsaw Killer, and now we're going to do Jigs- Jonah Hex. Jigsaw Hex would be a fun crossover, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, like, references, the one that I uh, reference the thing I like the most, and I think it's, like, a pretty good episode, is the one where uh, Scooby and Shaggy hang out with Vincent Van Gogh and just do Fright Night. Uh, because, one, Fright Night's an incredible movie. If you haven't watched Fright Night, please go watch Fright Night. It's really good. Um, but just them hanging out with this, like, kind of, like, down-on-his-luck like horror movie host who is desperately trying to impress these kids. It's great. I love it. I really like this show's take on Vincent Van Gogh. I wish that Vincent Price was still voicing him, but like... Yes. I also (laughs) wish Vincent Price was still alive doing voice work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If anyone should do voice work from the dead, it's Vincent Price. Um, Yeah. But... it's like because like but even even that episode right uh that episode has the thing where uh he reveals that shaggy and scooby were only one of only two entries into the essay contest to hang out with vincent van gogh and the other one was from like someone who had written their essay in like inuit and so he didn't understand it so he threw it out i'm like what what is this why is this the joke why is the joke like ah they don't speak english if they even like use like the slur term for inuit in there like i was totally blindsided me in that because i was like i i remembered like the two episodes that were just kind of racist overall existed but when it just shows up in the other episodes it like hits me like a truck mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah it's just it, it's just stuff is like man this this came out 10 years ago and things are different um because i don't i don't know if you would get i don't i guess i don't watch a lot of airing shows but i think even if you tried to get away with it i feel like the fan base would be much harder on creators for doing these things um but who knows, I guess. Um, as someone who watches a lot of shows for this age group in this medium, I think it has gotten better, but um, like not as quickly as you might think. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking like the other shows coming out around this time, like Gravity Falls that I've been re-watching with uh, the Totally Reprise podcast, um, also has some things that I'm like, this wouldn't have slipped through today. Uh but I don't think it's as bad as this for it. But I and I think it's like a year or two later. I think mm-hmm. yeah, Gravity Falls is twenty twelve yeah. to twenty sixteen. So, so yeah, because it took forever to air that show for some reason. So it so it started to come out with the second season of this. Mm-hmm. I I also think this 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 show is just like um, I was gonna say online, but I don't know if that's necessarily true one hundred percent. But it's definitely tapped into. Is, I, yeah, I've, I shouldn't even say it's always tapped into like culture I, in that way. Yeah, my thing is like this show is a bunch of animators wanting to get away with like 
the things that they grew up watching animators get away with um, in the way that like you, you make shows and you put the stuff you loved in it and a bunch of wink and nods to like old, like the adults who are watching. Um, I just don't think the tolerance for that is like the way it used to be. Well, right. Like, I think beyond that is like, obviously there's like going over the head stuff, but the specific pulls are like, like the, the, the running joke about Fred being into traps as like a, well, uh, you know, we're also doing the slur version of this is deliberate and it is throughout the entire series. And, you know, we had the whole mm. episode last time that was like a massive Higurashi reference uh, and the whole thing's about Lovecraft. Like it's on, it's, it, it is stuff that was big online in these circles in the same places that like ironic racism was big, right? Like, well, even like, even like Angel is like the black exploitation right, character yes. at all, but as like a front, it's like weird. It's like almost knows, but I think it's just enamored with the cultural ephemera that makes up scooby-doo like this is a show about 70s ass kids who have a lot of privilege like rationally explaining things to adults who like befuddle them like it comes out of a type of teenage adult interaction that is just 50 years old and like kind of dead to culture and it's weird and the show wants to have its cake and eat it too about that stuff Mm -hmm. and i think that friction's like it creates a tension that I, i think is like I wish the show wasn't this, but I I understand why it is, and it doesn't, like, ruin the show. It just makes it, like, prickly sometimes. Yeah. Uh, There's definitely things, uh, like, even on the smaller level than, like, the things I don't think they get away with. uh, Now there's stuff like the fact that Hatecraft comes back as a major character is just, like, um, a choice. They they have a lot more uh, now that it's a full season instead of 13 episodes of, like, characters outside the gang who are like recurring like uh Mm. hot dog water is in like four episodes as a joke character before she's the villain of uh one of them Mm -hmm. Um, and they change throughout the bits what why she got her nickname which is weird um but that's they can do that in the now that they have a bit of a world where they can have characters you've seen before and then make them the actual villains so it's not just oh clearly it's this guy who showed up like we've only seen for five minutes and is clearly evil well, I mean, the yeah. thing is even when the they are recurring characters they're still that oh. i could tell every time within their first scene like uh, absolutely there's like the one red herring like in the marcy episode uh like it's her and her dad and you're like it's probably her it could be the dad but that's probably the red herring um, there's the one I thought of was in the Fright Night one where the like PA guy shows up for two seconds and everyone yells at him. Well, it was clearly him. Um, and I, th- I, yeah, I don't think it was a single one I got wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I think the only one you couldn't guess is Alice May as Obliteratrix because that's not set up at all. Right. Yes. Because she was literally, they did, <laughs> it wasn't put in the plot before that. She was just in the episode. Um, yeah. Uh, but the show's still, like, really funny. All the good things that we said last time uh, remain true. Uh, they get a lot of mileage out of the fact that Velma was dumped for a dog. They do. I mean, to be fair, if I was dumped for a dog, I would be pretty upset about that and, like, bring it up frustratingly a lot, too, I think. Well, it's I think it's weird, given that this episode, this half of season has two episodes about how miraculous it is that Scooby Doo saved everyone. That's what he. That's what he does. He's like a part of the team. Like it's weird the ways in which the, sometimes he is treated as a dog, sometimes he is treated as like a, a contributing member of their team. Uh, but he's still a person either way. <laughs> he's not just a dog. That's not what Scooby Doo is about. Yeah, and it's it, it's this thing where like normal normal Scooby Doo. That's the wrong word. Old Scooby Doo simply 
never addresses the fact that it's weird that there's a talking dog here. Like, that is not a thing anyone would ever think in what in Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And in here, Mm -hmm. they're doing just enough thinking about the world where they're like, well, how the fuck does this work? Like, he does he go to school? Probably not. But he's, like, clearly a person. Um, and it leads to some weird shit sometimes, because I think... I think not all the writers on the show are on the same page about what the status quo of Scooby's existence is. Um, but I also mm-hmm. think, like, the first big Scooby Saves Everyone episode is Scooby's Dream, where it's, like, his insecurities, not, like, it, you never get the actual people being surprised that he could save anyone. He's just worried that he's the sidekick. Hmm. That comes back later, though. There is one where it's like, oh, your sidekick. I can't believe your sidekick did this. Yeah. It's like, no, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it comes back, there's not the, like, internal justification for it. I I mean, I assume this is true of most people. I've always read that the uh, Scooby-Doo being useless thing is less... To, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy are both goof-offs. They're goof-offs because that's their character, not because they're... Like, one's a dog, right? Like, Shaggy and Scooby are like a unit, and that's the group dynamics. Fred and Daphne and Velma go off and solve the mystery, and then uh, Scooby and Shaggy accidentally solve the mystery uh, by fucking around. The, the Scooby is a show for children. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. Mm. But the fact that, like, Shaggy is... Compared to other Scooby-Doo, he's more serious in this show than Shaggy mm-hmm. normally is because he has, like, a character arc, which isn't how other Scooby-Doo roles. Um, so it, you lose a bit of the uh, them just bumbling their way into everything. You don't lose it completely, obviously. There's a lot of Shaggy bumbling in this show. But uh, he, like, exists outside that in a way he doesn't normally that I think makes... Uh, the fact that Scooby's existence is weird, a bit more glaring t- at some <laughs> points. Yeah. Um. I also like the stuff about Scooby or Shaggy and Velma's relationship deteriorating is weird to me because the show never really gets into, at least in this season, the part where Velma's a person who like is really controlling and like uh like dictates the terms of relationships in a way that pushes people away like she even does that with the mermaid where she's like really jealously guarded of her and they like you know they're playing into like velma lesbian jokes or whatever that have permeated the culture but also that's just who she like she's she has this friend she's like this is my friend i'm keeping secret from other people it's it's mine i'm guarding it jealously and then when it's revealed that it's just a human lady she's like uh, I'd like to keep talking to you. And then when the the woman's like, yeah, of course, uh, Velma then like tries to play it cool. Like, I didn't actually want that, but I'll allow you to talk to me. That'll be fine. Um, in a way that like, she's like, and it's fine. She's like, a, you know, she's in her early 20s or late teens, or whatever. She is a person who's like needy and uh, controlling. But the show, the show's not willing to be about that the way it is about other things about other characters. And I'm like, just talk about it. I just don't know if they have like the emotional nuance to like get into that stuff. But I think it's an interesting read on the character. I think specifically it is weird because the, that is literally a plotline that exists about Fred in the show. Fred does, this mm-hmm. happens with Fred in some of the same episodes where it's happening with Velma. But Velma's like the way they write it is she's relating with Daphne because she's remembering her breakup, not this is a thing, a trait they both share. The thing is, there's like one scene with Fred that I think is just like fucking fantastic where uh, Daphne's feeling insecure about Fred's feelings for her. And Fred's like, I love five things. You, my parents, like the the Mystery Inc., whatever, like traps or whatever. And then like one other thing. And it's just like, Fred is very self-assured about his emotional state and is willing to like, 
clearly state his boundaries in a way that I think is like genuinely good. Like Fred's a hero in this in the second half of the show mm-hmm. in a way that I really like. I think it's a cool version of Fred. Uh, my Absolutely, fa- I love Fred in the show. Yeah, my favorite Fred moment is in the uh, Aphrodite episode where everyone is like hit with a love potion for a bit, and you mm-hmm. get the scene of. Uh, Shaggy and Velma being super awkward about it afterwards, but Fred to Daphne is like, well, no, I I knew I loved you. Like, the fact that I was magically in love with you also for a few minutes doesn't change any of that. Um, Yeah, Fred has, like, this, this, like, ability to, like, very forthrightly state his emotional needs in a way that, like, is is really interesting because, like, it kind of bounces off the other characters who presume a lot about him because he seems like a person who fixates on stuff in a way that, like, like is he, like, even aware of his... Like, Daphne's like, does he does he like me? He's like, no, I, I love you and a bunch of things. Like, I can spread my feelings multiple ways and it doesn't... W- caring about something else doesn't mean I don't care about you in this moment. In a way that I'm like, that's just good. I like him. Uh, like, he's a sweet kid. The difference between, like, Fre- Fred being controlling and Daphne being controlling is, like... No, Daphne, uh, and Velma being controlling is that whenever Velma is being controlling or being shitty, it is because she is like hiding something or trying to manipulate someone because she is insecure. And whenever Fred mm. is doing that, it's because he, like people are annoyed at Fred because he doesn't understand enough about social mores to not just do the thing he's thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there are multiple times in this series where like Daphne is kind of mad that like uh, Fred isn't doing the right like back and forth romance things when he's just said no i like you and then just leaves <laughs> um in a very normal like just he's just too normal in a way that i i think is mostly very good um yeah uh like we there's the scene in the jigsaw episode where it's like where daphne's like chained up and going to drown and like the tension the like fake tension because you know daphne's not going to drown is that like is fred going to like prioritize saving her over beating the trap master and the answer is he's going to do both obviously uh but like he doesn't feel there is the need to like specify i'm also going to save you he thinks that's obvious um and so he's just putting all of his effort into doing trap shit because he likes that and he needs to in that moment um while daphne is like at one moment thinks he's going to bash her head in with a rock Oh, that seems so good. The like convoluted saw trap stuff is so funny. It's amazing. Um, That's a parody that still still works just as well today. Do another fake Scooby Doo saw episode. God damn. Yeah, it's, look, it's simply good. Um, the, it is good. The that's the that's also the episode where. Uh, that pays off a lot of background shit that I noticed because I've seen that episode before. Because uh, that's the Darrow family, and their names just like pops up every two minutes in this show. Like, mm-hmm. um, like I think it's literally the first lines of dialogue are about the Spanish conquist, and the whole show are about the Spanish conquistadors came, founded the city, disappeared. Then the Darrows came, refounded the city, and disappeared. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe you shouldn't live here, guys. Uh, nope. They're gonna can't stop them. Uh, I I think it's interesting that. Like, things most shows like this don't have a specific focus on, uh, that the show starts to create here on the fact that this land was colonized at a specific point of time, and there are consequences of that. Yes. Yes. Like, I don't know how much, like, I know it's intentional, but, like, how far are you going to go with this? Because I know you can't, you're Scooby-Doo, you can't actually talk about this <laughs> be in ways that... <laughs> Will truly address the stuff. So where where will this go? This is just going to be like this is like you know a lot of mystery stories come out of these tropes and a lot of like um, 
these genres are built on uh like you know white guilt type stories about the things that have been done to the land and the land taking revenge and blah blah blah, blah. and like they're pulling on these tropes deliberately as they like reference all these old movies i'm like where's this gonna go how's this gonna tie into the the evil hannibal lecter birds <laughs> Um, all we know now is that everyone is after a treasure the conquistadors had at one point. And, yes, um, they need the, the planetary disc to do it. Which also seems to like have like some sort of like One Ring-esque corruption to it outside of like the fact that it's like a treasure map. Because I don't think we're given an indication that the Darrow family who like went Joker on each other over this like knew about the treasure. They might have, but the, the, like at the beginning of that episode, it's Halloween, and they're like basically all uh, kids movie murdering each other over this, um, including like a, the twelve year old kid at the time, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's definitely uh, something that starts up. I love a good plot coupon where you're like you need to collect all of the pieces and then the plot can continue in these types of uh we're going to do a monster of the week show with an ongoing plot so we need to separate one episode's worth of plot into six fragments (laughs) yes um i hope that season two uh has more episodes that are actually about the lore stuff i really like the like final episode um, it has one of my favorite formal things in television shows, which I feel like you get less now in like shows that are fully serialized, uh, which is when you have a finale, um, but it opens like a regular episode, but they still know it's the finale, so they like give the like status quo moments more portent. <laughs> uh, I, that is my favorite like television show trope at the end. I love it so much. I, I really like in the final episode, you see the all the Mystery Inc. doing Mystery Inc. things. And, like, <laughs> you see their status quo, so putting that against the status quo of our, our people when you know theirs gets radically obliterated as soon as the camera's off them is a good, like, shit. What's what's the word? I f- I'm forgetting film words. I'm sorry. Um, it's a good juxtaposition. That's the one I was looking for, yeah. My, my thing about the way this is pitched is the original Mr. Inc. dissolves because of external threats or whatever, but, like, seemingly everyone is at, like, weird odds. They don't talk to each other. Like, everyone's split up. Multiple characters are, like, antagonistic towards other characters in Mr. Inc. The new Mr. Inc. Uh, gets split up because Fred goes to find his parents or whatever, and then Shaggy goes to the military school. Um, and it feels like a, a disaster. It, like, the show's framing it like, this is happening to us, too. I can't believe it. But, like, Fred's gonna meet his parents and then come back. Uh, like... I don't believe that Mr. Ink is broken up and I don't understand if we're meant to believe that the original Mr. Ink was tight in the same way this group is, why they would stay broken up and antagonistic in the way that they have been. Um, it's just weird. I, I think that like I was expecting the, the inciting incident of them breaking up to be more than a Scooby-Doo villain told them to run away and not be friends anymore. So they did. Cause that's not what they, that's literally the opposite of what Scooby-Doo gangs do. Uh, it's, it's, a bit, it's strange. It's, it's a bit more than that. The, uh, the mayor mentions that he and Pericles worked together to frame yes. their parents for crimes and threatened to have them thrown in jail if they didn't leave, which is a bit more yeah. than vague threats. And also sure. more on Pericles but... had already betrayed them uh, when they split mm. up, which I think is, 
Um, which I think I imagine the- everyone would not talk to each other in this group if Scooby Doo suddenly sent them to jail. I think that might <laughs> fuck up the group dynamic a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's like fair the enough. mascot character is supposed to be like the friendly one that everyone like. Yeah, I mean they're the linchpins of the group. Like, yes, that is the that is the way this works. Uh, so you shouldn't um, make Hannibal Lecter the the linchpin of your group. It's not going to go well. But I, I, I think, like, more basically, the way I read this wasn't necessarily that it was all... Like, I don't read this as, like, a total disaster. Like, it is an echo of the stuff. But I read it more as, like... They, they're also, like, growing up, right? This is a show about growing up. And this is the, the kid group. They are a group of kids hanging out, going to college in the same town somehow. Uh, and I read it more as, like, a... Uh, you know, the the things are different for the Miracle Mystery Inc. And they're all betraying each other and doing, have all their plans because they're adults, right? They're, this is a show about the difference between adult worlds where everyone dressing up as evil people that the kids have to unmask uh and i feel like that's the thing they're going for and scooby-doo is going to make sure they don't lose their friendship if they all become adults is how i think this is going to go is that's what i took from the ending yeah i just don't understand like i don't know how tidally the echoes of that in the original mr inc are the way the i think the show thinks that they're more profound than i do um but we'll see how season two shakes out, I guess. There's still, like, this is half the story. I was like, oh, we're going to get to the resolution, and then season two will be about something else, because that's how I conceive TV being written, and that's not what this show is at all. Uh, no, instead, the band breaks up at the end, and ooh, will they get back together when we have a whole new season? Um, uh, a new sh- What's the new season called? Mr. Ink? Yeah, I'm going to think they're going to get back together, actually. <laughs> also, it's like, the band breaks up, but the plot hasn't even started. Uh. It would be a terrible but kind of sick move to do like another fifty-year time skip after the season finale. God, um, oh, that'd be sick. That would be sick. But I, so while I did like obviously see the echoes of like, oh, they've also been cursed by the object. Uh, I barely read this as like a cliff. Like, here's a cliffhanger. But I was like, oh, they're going to do the getting the band back together trope. That's that's fun. That's like a good. That's a good bit in itself. I mean, the thing, the thing is like that. That is obvious, right? In the way that yes. we look at television. But I also know that this is a show that was being watched by. 10 year olds and if you break up the scooby-doo gang and then the show goes off the air the scooby-doo gang's broken up like you know like that's that's also what the show is doing that's uh, fine i am an actual human adult I, I, <laughs> yes. I, I think the other thing to think about with this finale is something the show has been good at is like having emotional issues that like resolve in their immediate form but like you still see the consequences going on like mm-hmm. um when shaggy and velma break up like their relationship arc is over, but, like, that is still a thing that continues to have effect on those characters. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, there is room in the show for longer-term consequences of them breaking up than um, them just uh, not getting back together isn't the only possible fallout from this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, we also, like, there's also previous distress stuff that doesn't, that I think is not as good when they're all mad that Velma kept the secret of uh, Angel Dynamite from them. Uh, which I guess is... Because to us, like the fact that Angel Dynamite is Cassidy Williams is like the most obvious thing in the world. Um, I also just don't know why they would necessarily care that much. Uh, she's still... She's helping them. She's like an adult who helps them, who knows things, and that's still true. And literally everyone in the town has like 17 secrets. I Like, they're, they should just be used to it by now. Um, <laughs> I... I they have secrets. Yes, I, I can see being annoyed that she knows so much about the thing they're investigating and wasn't like, hey, I'm going to help you with this thing because I'd like no shit. Uh, but I think they oversell that anger a bit, 
Especially when they find out after she fucking comes in and fights a ninja for them. <laughs> yes, she does do that. Uh, like, I think any time you save someone from ninjas, you earn a bit of leeways on your secrets that allowed you to fight them from ninjas. That sentence is the most proof that this is the 2010 show. <laughs> uh, is that? Just, just, <laughs> to, to me, the just, most... Yeah. yeah. I was just, just thinking about, like, oh, right, I guess ninjas. That's why there's ninjas in the show. I hadn't considered it as I watched them on the screen, because no one was making ninja jokes out loud. Then I remembered. Um... The, the thing that was the most dragged me back to 2011 for me was the Twilight. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh god, I haven't seen people make fun of Twilight sparkly vampire shit in like a decade now. Um, it's been so long. Um, and uh, I think that episode would be way worse if Stephanie Meyer was a cyborg ninja assassin. But also, I would watch something where like a romance author was a cyborg ninja assassin. That sounds fine to me. I think I think the version of that is like a TV show from 1994, <laughs> though, and not a cartoon from 2011. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> um, but um, I do I do appreciate the idea that like the love like the avatar of Lovecraft is the thing that is most threatened by Twilight. It's like ah shit is is Lovecraft's time in the culture going away because of Twilight? Is like such like an old nerd insecurity to me. Um, um, especially when you like think of the ally of a they've set up for HP Lovecraft is literal Harlan Ellison. They do mention Harlan Ellison. Obviously, like we don't want to talk to Ellison. He's too scary. Um which fair enough. Fuck Harlan Ellison. Yeah. Um but it's also Jeffrey Combs is a, a fucking treasure, a national treasure. And every time he shows up in a movie or a show, I'm happy. <laughs> that one mean that does the round every so often, which is just when it's Jeffrey Combs as way in and uh, with the Runs, other guy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, yesterday uh, as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. That does yeah. around occasionally. Yeah. I saw that. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, the other thing to, to continue on from something we talked last time uh, about how the show treats nerds, which is like uh, how it's like treated nerds is very gross, except Velma, who's hot. We have the episode with the orc LARPers. Um, yes. Which is a fucking wild episode. Because like um, orcs um, are like often like used to represent oppressed groups, but never before have I seen them used to represent gamers as an oppressed group (laughs) (laughs) not just that but like the villain is the gamer that the gamers oppress (laughs) that's like the the, the way that i think there's a lot happening here (laughs) uh, gamers stand up uh there's so much going on in that episode um that uh well, it's like this show this show likes to like hot dog water is it's literally linda carnadelli she's like it's velma but like grosser it's like what if Vel- what if velma was real she'd be a shitty nerd nobody liked uh and so they just make fun of this uh this straw man version of velma to make velma seem cooler um and all it does is make velma seem like the worst person in the world whenever they're interacting it uh-huh. sucks because it's like the whole point of Velma's character, especially in the post-breakup thing, is it is sad to be a lonely teen. That's like a that's a thing that is genuinely sad. When you're a teenager and you're lonely, it's a sad thing. And then they like bring in all these nerds to be like, "Oh, look at these fucking nerds! I bet they don't fuck." It's like, what are you? What, excuse me. This is this is a show about like sad teens who hang out and solve mysteries. I feel like it's a little just disingenuous to the audience and the characters of like the show you've created to like bring in people to make punching bags about 
the, their characteristics are the same as the, the people on the show. It's a show about nerds. Yeah, um, it, and it definitely comes across of, like, it's at the most blatant and, like, feels like maybe someone understood what's going on that, like, uh, the orcs are like, oh, these are, like, the coolest guys in the world, but then everyone gets grossed out when they look at them, which is makes it clear that this is just a body thing. This isn't about being right, nerdy yes. being a bad thing, because the what their nerdy traits of being, like, weird computer guys and poets make them, like, actually super hot to, uh, when they're, like, cool, uh, 50s greaser orcs. Uh, but when they're, like, nerds with lots of acne doing the exact same shit, Suddenly, this show's like, and now the same thing is repulsive, uh, which like makes it clear what the problem is. Uh, but I don't think the show constantly realizes that it's about that, or even if it realizes how stupid that is, even in that episode. Uh, oh, I, I think it might even be weirder in that I think it does realize, because doing a joke about that exact thing, like that is intentional in the episode, then it takes on new vibes of like, uh, you know. The girls would like us if we were hot greaser orcs, um, which is also shitty. And it's just like, there's a lot of layers to that that it just hasn't considered. And I think it's better when it just like earnestly focuses on, on like the characters rather than coming up with like caricatures of stereotypes to make fun of whatever those stereotypes are. Um, yeah. Um, uh, the, my only other note about that episode is that I love it when crimes happen on trains. They do have an extended train sequence. Um, th- what else? I'm like, I know there's another episode with a thing about this. I guess it was maybe Hot Dog Water. Um, who I think is the most, like, of this whole season is the most, like, poor person doing crimes because of economics of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, although, like, it's it's funny, right? Because, like, the Scooby-Doo villains often have, like, in their monster modes, have all the shit where you're like, if people can just do this, you'd think, like, they'd make some use of this technology that lets them, like, be super dangerous monsters. And that's, like, the plot line there. It's, oh, she invented super helium. Um, and she's doing crimes using it to, like, let her sell it. Like, she's, like, a... D tier Batman villain. I mean, yeah, that that one's like a comedy of bat. Like the joke is how ridiculous the inventions are. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hilarious. Yeah, there's a they they do at this point they start to like play with the like Scooby Doo formula a bit more often. Like we get uh, the Jigsaw episode where no one is a mask that's just the Jigsaw killer. Um, and we get uh, that episode where it's not set up at all with Alice May. Uh, I think there was another one. I guess there's... Oh, uh, when we were talking about like the show just punching down, though, there is the episode that is like a weird Carrie riff about the, the girl who was ugly back in the day and they made her prom queen or whatever, and now she's hot and is back to get her revenge because becoming hot it makes her evil because she has to uh, get make everyone feel the way she felt. Uh with her love potion. Episode- her, like, actual magical love potion. Um, the episode's really weird because it begins, right? And um, she's there. She's got she's like this weird love potion with the zombie mask and everything. And they unmask her. And she's like, oh, it was you. And then I think Velma Lurie says, why did you do this? You're hot now. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, this... Uh, uh, what a lot of teen culture 2010 stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the thing I liked about that episode is like half that episode is the Pericles Scooby team up, uh, which is yes, which is always fun. And then he, uh, there's a thing characters do in this show when they successfully get away with their schemes, and then they like record themselves telling all the other characters what their secret scheme was. Um, where at the end you get the recording from Pericles to Mr. E, where he's like, "Oh no, I was evil this whole time in this episode. I was manipulating. I set this all up uh, to further my own schemes." somehow um which you think it would be better for pericles not to tell everyone he has all this shit but whatever Uh, i mean he's gotten away with it so far um pericles has not lost one yet yeah Uh, i do like the there's the bit in the saw episode where there's the trap design for pericles that scooby has to solve instead Mm-hmm. Um, because the Jigsaw Killer thinks he's fighting the old group. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, it's good. And uh, he can't... Uh, it's. I guess in retrospect we know that Fred gets mistaken for his father there. Mm. Um, and his girlfriend gets mistaken for his mother, which is not a thing I want to think about too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, uh... This The finale here, I remember back when this aired, was like... Because we talked before about how the show has a reputation of being like the edgy Scooby-Doo show. Um, because, you know, like, murder happened on it and stuff. But the thing everyone always brought up was the reveal about Fred being stolen as a child as being the thing that's super off with general vibes of Scooby-Doo. But I don't think it comes across as like... Like, it's a big turn for Fred. To find this out, obviously, because that's kind of a big deal to find out you've been a hostage your whole life. Um, but I don't think it's played quite as much as the reputation of the show would suggest. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's of a piece of what the rest of the show is doing. It is like a big deal, though, especially because like it's not you know it's not just this, right? It's also that like Fred spends every five minutes being like, "My dad's the coolest person ever. I want my dad to pay attention to me. My dad, my dad, my dad, my dad, my dad." <laughs> Uh, and then his dad's like, oh, I'm sorry, totally stole you from your real parents. Uh, he does have like a, well, you are my son. I did raise you. Uh, but Fred is understandably angry at that point. I, I like the like slow burn of, I think it's like five episodes before the one where he's the actual villain. It's like, hey, Fred's dad is like capital E evil. Um, he is secretly hiding... The piece of the disc. Um, and clearly, like, presents a reasonable explanation for why he has it. But, like, as an audience member, you know, no, this is, he's doing something evil. But, uh, it, like, really, I think it points at once you to think, maybe he's just a shitty dad and not evil. Um, mm-hmm. Before it, he becomes the, like, single... I don't know. Him or Pericles have, like, done the most actual villain shit. Um, Pericles has murdered a man. He kidnapped a child. That's about equal. Pericles is still out there doing shit. Yes. Well, Pericles is a more successful villain. Uh, Yeah. Like... uh, Is there anything else to talk about here? What episodes... No, I think we hit everything. Yeah, no. Um, for like, you know, we'd spend most of the time digging into like the weirdness and the friction of the show, but I generally still like it. I think it's really funny. Um, it's very watchable. Yeah. 
This, mm-hmm. And I'm excited to continue. This is a thing. Sometimes the show is just good and it doesn't give us stuff to talk about when it's just like eight minutes of jokes that are funny. Right, yeah, because when it's good, it's just like, it's a Scooby-Doo show. The, yeah. You know, the characters are what what they are, and they make some jokes, and it's funny. And, you know, sometimes yeah. some guy falls over, and you're like, ah, it's funny when guys fall over. It is funny uh, when guys <laughs> fall over. Yep. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Very excited to finish it up. Yeah, and a year from now, you'll know some bullshit that happens in the second season. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited. I'm pretty excited to see what bullshit goes on the second season, I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited. I really like the second season. I hope it... I assume it's going to hold up, because the first season definitely did. Yeah, I can't imagine it would get like worse. Like you know, We already had some down notes and some weird stuff. I imagine the frictions will continue to be there, but I'll just get more ridiculous lore. Yeah, there's going to um, be more racism, be but also more more lore, so... You know, that's what I expect from TV. Just generally going forward. <laughs> when I tell the TV, I want to see more racism and more law. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. Hey. Next time, we're going to be back in about three weeks to watch the first 28 episodes of Common Writer O's. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, you can get that wherever you download your television shows. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you where to get them, but you should know if you live in 2021 um, where to get them. Uh, and then after that, I think we're watching Grand Ble- Ble- Belm? Grand Blem? Um, we're forgetting something here, but the, the but yes, that are, those are the two scheduled ones. We have an unscheduled one that might come at some point between those. Uh, so do we really? You forgot this every time I've brought this up, but yes, we do. Do you want to type it to me real quick? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah hang on uh here you go let me <laughs> send this over and get your live reaction uh there you are there's your, there's your... oh that's not now is it <laughs> it's in it's it is like 11th of august or something uh, we could do it whenever we can, people we, are gonna know what that is i'm not i don't want to rush and do that i gotta watch too much shit for that we, get, we will, we will at yes, some point we will do a rebuild of evangelion episode eventually but since just me and jackson it's not scheduled it'll come out when it comes out and you'll just have to wait for it my point is it'll happen at some point i'd rather yeah. do it soon because i you know I'm, I'm gonna watch the movie the day it comes out oh uh, you cannot stop me i've got to watch the other three movies first i got shit to You've do already seen them yeah, but I don't remember what happened. It took a while for them to release this last one. <laughs> yeah, it did. Unlike, unlike you, Jackson, I don't think about Evangelion every day. <laughs> First of all, that hasn't been true for at least three years. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, plug Sniper Server. Do you want to plug stuff? Uh, yeah, I make tabletop role-playing games since our last episode i released a new one called centuries outside history it is a uh game designed to be played on discord there is a discord bot that is the primary mechanical interface it is a game about a generation ship um failing because of neoliberalism uh uh, very informed by the way mark fisher writes about uh the end of history um and i think it's really good and you should check it out at sniperserpent.itch.io Cool. Um, I also have a Twitter, but I don't post uh, at Sniper Serpent. Jackson. You can find me at HeadfulsOff on Twitter.com. You can find the podcast that I do at OurNormapping.com uh, with them. There's some cool ones there. We're just recording um, Metroid Prime 2's episode very soon. You mean tonight? Tonight, yeah. <laughs> um, 
That'll probably be out before this is. I'll be honest. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. You can support all our podcasts at patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, for $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. We're watching Turn A and Big O right now. Those are two letters of the alphabet. We'll <laughs> next be watching Planets along with Turn A. That is not a letter of the alphabet. Um, but it's good. Uh, there's a lot of good podcasts there. Check them all out. Uh, support us if you can, because uh, I don't have a job, and this is how I. Uh, you don't have Jackson. You don't have a job. This is how we live. This is it. This is it. This is our lives. Man, what a terrible choice we made. <laughs> oh no! What a great stable life we live. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody. Uh, thank you, Sniper, for bringing us this great show, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. A little bit more than that, hopefully. Goodbye.